Okay, gentlemen. Well, today I've got an absolute fucking belter for you. And I've got Alan Dillon down with me here inside of the bunker. Now, Alan, well, he set up a promotional goods company straight out of uni after being in a similar sort of job and thinking, fuck this. I can do this whole thing way better. Now, 20 years on, he's operating what some have called a national empire. But here's what most people don't realise. Actually, this whole thing is just run by him and his brother, Rich, which is fucking amazing. Now, as someone that can't think of anything worse than working with my brother, Alan's got some awesome fucking insight on how to make that work. We're going to get deep into how to build a business for scale. We're going to talk about balancing all of that shit with family. Now, on top of all of that, if like me, you get a hard on for exercise and pushing your body to your limits, I think Alan's daily training routine is going to raise some fucking eyebrows. So let's get to this. There are a ton of men doing podcasts about business, or at least they claim to be men. It's time to take off the panties, and let's get real. <laughs> this is the One Man Empire Show with Charlie Hutton. If you have a sweet spot for big business horseshit... Or if you're a sucker for bland, boring, politically correct podcasts, you can go ahead and turn this off right now. If you're a man at the helm of your own business, we want to inspire you to make more, provide more, provide more, and be more without having to sacrifice it all. You'll get everything from ethically gray tactics to dealing with dickhead customers and all the, the carnage in between. Let's do it. Welcome to the One Man Empire Show with Charlie Hutton. Yesterday, I just decided that I needed to uh, whack up the weights. You know, you've been getting up. I thought, fuck it, I'm getting a bit bored of these weights. I'll just whack them up. So uh, smashed them up yesterday. Um, was in quite a bit of agony in the evening, which is good. That's, 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 you know, if you're not, then it's a wasted session, isn't it? What time were you weight training? Was that first thing or? I usually go in the morning, um, but the missus is off to London. So she had a million things she wanted to do. So she's like, can you do this? Can you do so this? So she fucked if, with your routine is what you're mate, telling she, me. Well, I probably she was like, <laughs> you take the kids. So I, like, I, I hope to get in in the morning, but I didn't. I got a couple of hours in the afternoon before I put the kids up. So I squeezed it in. It was a little bit quiet. And then a million emails started to come through. And uh, thought, I'm now doing weights. And in between the minute that I'll wait, I'm doing email, getting back on the weights. <laughs> and, uh, then I get a big order come through from, uh, from Lloyd's Bank. Mate, doesn't, doesn't that sum up what it is to be like a man at the helm of a business? Like you've got shit going on. I'm at the fucking gym. I'm closing sales. I'm sending emails. And in between between jacking up the weights. Talk me through running a business with Richard Brother, which is really, really cool. Because yeah. I can't even imagine like running a business with my brother. It would be a fucking shit show. We tried doing it when we were younger. We had a skateboard company. My brother was really into skateboarding, really successful at it. And we we're like, we, we give this a go. But we're so polar apart in terms of how we how we approach it. We would have ended up killing each other if we'd continued that adventure. So talk me through. Yeah, well, I must have just finished uni. I think I'd applied for a few jobs. I've got this one. I was working at a promotional merchandise company up in Leeds, a sales job. The guy was paying me, I think it was 8K a year plus commission. Wow. Which was fuck all, but it's, it's a job offer. I took it. I like the sound of it. Funnily enough, I'd been offered to go on the Morrison's um, graduate management scheme. Right. But for some reason, I, I jibbed that off. So I started there, was doing really well with the sales. And uh, I just thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting paid enough. I could do this for myself. Yeah. 
Um, I spoke to my dad because my dad really, ever since I've been young, he's always been drilled into me. It's like, you got to work yourself. He works for, he works for, you know, he's worked in a factory um, his whole life. But he's like, you got to work yourself if you want to make it. So I always had that sort of instilled. Your dad, despite working in a factory, had already connected the dots. He's still working in that factory now. He's wow. Been since he's 21. So wow. He had a tough upbringing where his dad wasn't about. Mm. He was a breadwinner. He had two sisters. He's got his mother, my gran, who he still lives. He's got support. So he's very risk averse. And some people are born to work. Yeah. Some people are born to be entrepreneurs. Everyone, everyone's different. So I, I just went to my dad after three months and said, listen, I can do this. I can do this by myself. My dad's like, all right, fine. Let's get it started. And that was back in 2004. So it was, I had three months experience, nothing. When you're young, you think you can do anything. <laughs> 10 uh, feet tall and fucking bulletproof. And you think I'm going to start this company and I'm going to be doing the same sales. I'm going to be doing everything the same without realizing everything else, which comes around the package of running a business. But anyway, I started because I've just been to Leeds Uni. We got into their incubation space up there. Was this still just you, Alan? Or was Rich involved at this stage? No, or? No, no, so it's just me at this stage. Rich was a recruitment consultant. Oh, fuck. Um, maybe for, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe about no, maybe about six months, he was hating it. He was hating it. And Rich joined me after about six months. He jacked it in. I think he just fucking quit. I think he just like, here, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, and that was the beginning, really. This was the days before Google. Like, we were sending out catalogs, you know? Catalogs are how we're getting business. We're sending like 50 catalogs out a day. So it's completely different. And that, that and takes cash as well, doesn't it? Yeah. I think I think my dad gave me, I think he gave us 20 grand to start it. That's uh, amazing. And, and and that's where it all began because, of, you know, in the last 20 years, things have changed massively. So that's how it all began. We bounced around a few incubation spaces before we got our own premises, our own offices up in Leeds. And just sort of grew it out from then. We were rocked and rolling and then 2008 came in the crash. 100%. I was then, out in Canada in a construction business when that happened. It was like, fuck. It was just like, bang. The world stopped, you know? The, the sales, everything, just everything plummeted and it, it took so long, maybe a year and a half after it ended to get back to that same point again because the first thing people stopped buying promotional goods. Yeah. So it can be a tough game. What's it, I mean, that, that 20K investment from your dad there must come with a huge amount of responsibility and yeah. all that. So what's your emotions going into that conversation? I remember, uh, I think, being at the train station in Leeds and I was going to get in the train home to speak to my dad. Did he know this conversation was coming or did no, you? No, so he didn't know it was coming. <laughs> so it's like, so I'm going to ask for 20K. It's like yeah. a facer. You know, it's not, what, I mean, it's not the one where you just pick up the phone. It's a lot of money. So you're right. It's a lot of responsibility to take that off someone. My parents work hard. They haven't got no high-flying jobs. They work yeah. normal jobs where it, it takes a while to earn the money. So if I went back and he was more than happy for me to give it a go. And I think, to be honest, it's crazy. Looking back, I've been in the job three months and I want to start, I don't know what I'd say if my kids came up to me and said, yeah, we do a job for a few months. I want to start my own company. I'm like, oh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Have you, got like, company, have you, you know, have you thought this through? <laughs> but my dad never, no, he was supportive the whole way. He never, he never said a word like that. And I think it's because he works in a factory. So he sure. doesn't know what it's like running a business, anything like that. That um, is amazing. And I don't know. I've always had that sort of risk taking, taking nature, very sort of high you know, I'll, I can really push things to the limit. I remember at college, I had this like green dice. It had 20 sides. Right. And I remember having people would come and I'd like, do you want to bet on which number will come up? And I'd say it's a pound a number. Right. 20 people would enter at 10 quid for the winner. And I'd take the other 10. 
That's amazing. And I was like running this. I was running this like daily. Nobody really buyed an eyelid that I was making £10. And the winner was making ten pounds. Yeah. I used to sell Parker pens at school, you know, shit like that. I'd sort of buy them on the cheap, sell them to someone else, make a few quid quid off it. It couldn't have been anything. It's just I saw something. I thought I could I can buy it. I yeah. can sell it. It's the same as what I'm doing now. I could buy it, I can sell it. You know, it's that constant sort of thing. Can I make more money from it? But you know, it's exciting, isn't it? I love it, mate. I absolutely love it. And it, it fascinates me, the number of, let's call it like self-made men that have had that experience selling nose to nose, whether that's in the fucking playground or whether that's yeah. on the phone selling like promotional stuff. I've sold gas and electric over the telephone. Everyone told me I was going to fucking hate it. It was be the worst job ever. Yeah. And I loved it. I was like, this is dead easy. And, and I think it's th that ability to hold a conversation or that ability to identify, let's call it a need, a want, a problem, yeah. a desire or something that you can help them with and then see that there is a value exchange that can happen there. It's really, really cool. Really cool. What, what I'm interested to explore with you, Alan, is at that crash in 2008, things are going going good sales are going up super exciting you've not killed each other yet as brothers inside of the business yeah yet. and then this thing happens out of the blue which is completely out of your control how do you approach that how does that affect you i think whenever something like that happens and same with covid whatever it was you never think it's going to go on for as long as it does yeah. <laughs> so it's always i suppose it's that positive attitude you're thinking yeah. i'm going to keep going i'm going to keep persevering it's going to come back everything's going to be good and we just knuckle down i think i don't know if we started around that time a business which sold gadgets okay so we had a business which might have been helping us around that sort of time we are selling absolute shitloads on amazon ridiculous amounts something like because we were one of the first people on there i think we were doing something like 50 or 60 of these a day fucking um, hell Alan. i think the gadget sort of company helped us on that side, it kept us busy anyway, yeah. kept us focused. I don't know how much money we ended up making out from it in the end, but it kept us focused. Um, so where the fuck did you, that come in? Where did you spot the opportunity and make that happen? We sell a lot of products and I started, yeah. we sell a lot of tech goods. We're selling a lot of USB drives. And I thought, actually, we can sell to the end user, get some stock in from yeah. the same suppliers. And we started to look at the products that looked popular. Um, and we just, we just sort of gravitated. I also had a company that sold uh, booster seats. Oh yeah. When that, when that first came out, <laughs> yeah. it's called Easy Traveler. It's all nice. Around, all I like the branding on that one. <laughs> yeah. We're selling a load of those again. But I think when you're an entrepreneur and you've got your fingers in so many pies, yeah. so you want to try, you see something, you see something exciting. I remember watching The Apprentice and they had some sort of gadget guitar came on it. Yeah. I thought one of the activities they're doing and literally before the end of the show, I was like getting the manufacturer, finding out where can I get these from the next day I was selling them. All of those sort of things are exciting. So in your mind, how do you determine or what's your thought process to be like, fuck it, I'm going to take a punt on this. Is it just a punt? Have you got like an instinct with something or how do you decide what's worth trialing and what not? I think it, I think it is just like, just have an instinct, whether it's going to be something that's going to be popular. It's like that gadget one with the guitars straight away. I knew, but I said, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I don't mind being uncomfortable. And I think. What it comes down to is most people don't want that discomfort. Yeah. The mediocre majority are happy just to sort of coast along in their protective bubble. But the true growth comes from discomfort. Yeah. So I'm always, I'm always happy to push myself to, you know, it's like the same with the running and stuff like that. It's like a lot of people wouldn't go outside running when it's raining. Yeah. 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 It's like embrace the rain, go yeah. out into the rain, you know, everybody's become so comfortable everybody's comfortable sitting in watching tv watching netflix in their little bubbles but you know the most fun 
comes when you're really pushing yourself. Couldn't be a more true word said. I mean, I think if you, you're constantly pushing, constantly striving, it's yeah. where real movement comes. And do you think during like that 2008 crash during COVID is, is one of the characteristics that got you through that? Or- I mean, COVID was a bad one because that's a massive hit to our industry, promotional items. But I remember I was just annoying the missus. I was like straight away within weeks, I was like, what can I sell? But it's just, you know, it's giving up is never, it's not in me. I'll have to break. And that's the same with my running and endurance. Because I'd rather break the body. At least I can say my body was broken, so I couldn't continue rather than I just gave up. I stopped. That's not my vocabulary, you know? And you mentioned there annoying the missus with different ideas when you when you start. Were you in were you in sight together then? Or so we we didn't get together till two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah, so quite a few years later. Um, and then and you've my, got so got two kids now as well, haven't you? That's right. Yeah, two kids, five and three. Yeah. So so talk me through because uh, I mean. As far as me and Emma goes, I fucked like a load of shit up from a business standpoint when we had our Barney. But from you going from, you're running the business for what would have been, I guess, five years. Yeah. And you've got that, I say freedom to basically work when you want. I can work 12, 13, 14, 16, 21 hours a day. And then you end up in a relationship with someone that starts taking time and down the line, throw kids into the mix. And it's a fucking hard thing to balance, isn't it? So how did you manage that? Yeah, no, definitely a free relationship. I was doing something. I, you know, I'd, yeah, every night would be working until midnight. No, yeah, no, yeah, you no, just no do problem. it, don't you? And that was fine. I did that for ages. And then you get married and suddenly you've got a bit less time. To be honest with you, that transition from being single to being married or together with someone is fine. You've still got time. And the transition from being married to having kids... That's, that's the one where it drops off a cliff where you're sort of like now time has not gone down maybe 10, 15% from being single to being mad. It's gone down 50%. There's a massive, massive drop off there. And it's tough because you've got to really think about how you're spending your time then. And what happens is you look back when you have kids, you look back and think, fuck, I had a lot of time in my hands. I had a lot of time in my hands. I was probably wasting half of it. And the same thing happens when you have a second child. You look back on the first child, I had a lot of time on my hands. You've got to really start prioritizing your time, which I do now. And for me, the game changer has been really getting up early, you know, where I can get up like five o'clock in the morning, where you can do a bit of meditation, do a bit of work. You know, two hours is gone before anybody's up. You're in a good place. Yeah. You need to fulfill your own needs before you can fulfill somebody else's. And they're coming with their needs. And you haven't even got out of bed yet. So I've got into a good habit now of kids go bed i'll stay up for a bit try not to watch too much tv get to bed maybe about nine so i can get up at five and for me that works because then suddenly you've got that balance so you're just not irritated your tolerance for getting irritated is much higher i, I do grow so yesterday i i, I try to every day get barney to school and pick him up afterwards and he's, he's on his bike which is brilliant getting to school because there's no one else around. So he's on his bike. I'm on the one wheel and fucking book it to school. Dead, dead easy. I then come into the office and I got finished up at, on calls at like three o'clock. Go and grab our Barney. And school pickups, an absolute fucking gong show. It's mental. You've got all parents there and they've just got no ability to see what else is going on. And it's just, it's horrible. We cross the road and our Barney then, because he wants to get on his bike, he wonders the time how long it's going to take him to get home. So he's teeter-tottering dicking around with his watch trying to set like the stopwatch going and there's fucking kids everywhere there's a mum over here with a trolley that he can't pass and i'm like dude what are you doing you're acting like an idiot and you saw his face just drop and i'm like fuck what i've done here is 
taken that emotional, that stress level that I'm experiencing right yeah. now, and the tone should have been 100% different. Yeah. And when that tolerance isn't there, or when mentally you're not in the right headspace or, or whatever, that, that ability to snap, whether it's at, at, at your kids, whether it's at your other half, whether it's at employees, it just raises and you're like, fuck. Any interaction like that is always a reflection of yourself, isn't it? You know, 100%. I've done exactly the same shit where I've been tired. I haven't been looking after myself. I'm more snappy. You t- what do you do? You take it out on the people that are closest to you. If you're tired, which, you know, which is really sleep is the pillar everything's built on, you're, you're fucked. You really are fucked because everything goes out the window. You're not going to eat properly. You're not going to exercise properly. You know, everything around you is going to see worse. I've I've been through that. I've done that for years and it's not a nice place. It's not a nice place to be. But I think, you know what? I think most people operate like that. They think they're relaxing because they've sat in front of Netflix for three hours before they go to sleep, but they're not. They're just overly stimulated. So they don't sleep properly. They wake up tired. And for me, when I broke it, when was it last must be last year at some point during COVID, I just thought, fuck it. I'm not going to watch TV anymore. That's it. And I, I didn't watch TV for like three months. Okay, gentlemen. So quick side note. Look, with what we got going on here, I've been forging self-made men in fast since 2015. So obviously what we do here and within my groups, well, it just fucking works. Needless to say, because of that, we're pretty much locked out most of the year and with a waiting list. However, Good news for you today, right now, well, I'm temporarily opening up a couple more spots inside of one of my groups, the Alliance. Meaning today, this, my friend, is your opportunity to take a seat around the table. So, if you want to come and join this brotherhood of smart, ambitious men who can sleep safe at night, knowing that they are prepared to punch each and every single day square in the fucking face, no matter the tornado of shit, then, my friend, your next step is simple. Head to applyforyourseat.com and submit your urgent application right now. That's amazing. And, and the change is just, it's, it's, it's incredible because suddenly you're like, you get to the evenings, you're just sort of like, oh, I'll read a book. I'll do something else. You start to relax a bit more. And as soon as you're a bit more relaxed, you know what? The people around you are a bit more relaxed. Yeah. I'm the same from the news media standpoint. I ruthlessly ignore all of that shit. I think what a lot of people forget, the way that Netflix is designed, the way that TV is designed, is designed to keep you fucking engaged. And the way that they keep you engaged is to play on your emotions yeah. and to keep you addicted to watching the screen, which, like you said, brings you down. That's Interesting. Why that's why it goes straight on to the next program. Yeah, that's it. Straight <laughs> into the next one. Fucking emotional hook. Exactly. And it changes your mood, doesn't it? And unless you realize that this shit is going on, or yeah. unless you are aware of what you're watching in the evening and, and unless you start making choices around that sort of thing it's amazing how much it, it fucks with you it's crazy absolutely crazy you mentioned about the energy levels and fitness yeah. your let's call it like fitness journey has been nothing short of fucking phenomenal mate so you, you, you went from a place of i'm, I'm not going to say standing still doing nothing but but i was can't yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna try and make you feel not as bad as you were. Yes, you're at a point now where you're doing fucking Ironmans, ultra marathons. So, so talk, talk me through where were you like, fuck, I need to do something here. It was COVID, I suppose. First lockdown, everybody was just like fucking man, drinking, eating shit. The weather was fantastic, barbecues going on. But then it got to the second lockdown, and I thought I can't repeat that again. I don't think our body can take that eating all the shit and <laughs> drinking more because you're at home and. You're, Something's got to change. And I started listening to David Goggins. I got his book. I remember within weeks, I was out on my birthday. I thought, fuck it, I'd run like 16, 16K. And my body was fucked after. I didn't walk for days after that. That was the trigger. I just thought, it's time to turn it around. Within a month, my mate said to me, oh, do you want to do a triathlon next year? And I'm way, way off being fit enough to do this. I haven't swam in like 30 years. Yeah. Um, 
So I thought, fuck it, I'll enter it. It's always the best way. Enter something which is far enough in advance that you've got to commit to it. And that, that was it. I just started running around all through the winter, I cycling loads. I started swimming in the sea. Wow, that's fucking hardcore. Open water swimming. Yeah. I mean, you're not messing around there. Ne- never done it before. It's just me and this guy out there. He's on a paddleboard. I'm in the fucking sea. You feel very vulnerable, but I just thought that's my weakness. I'm just going to, you know, push through. As, as part of the training you've been doing, the vegan side of things. So from your standpoint, Alan, what's the impact been from a performance standpoint? And is it something you'd recommend and say is worthwhile doing? Yeah, it's a big change. You know, I like my meat. I didn't really go in for the ethical side of things. I went for the sort of health. I've got psoriasis, which is an autoimmune condition. Yeah. Basically, the body's attacking itself. It thinks it needs to repair itself when there's nothing wrong with it. So I'd read that you could get to veganism. Whatever. I thought I'd give it a try. And I tried it multiple times. It's really fucking difficult to maintain. And then it just came to be that it was COVID. I'd started running. I don't know if I had more determination. I started then. And for me, yeah, it's been a massive game changer. I exercise a lot. The recovery is incredible. My mood was a lot better. My body just felt a lot better. Every now and again, still, I slip into a bit of dairy. I'm like, ah, it's the kid's birthday. I'll have a bit of cake. And that will set me off where for the next few weeks, I might be eating dairy. Because yeah. I, I like cheese. I like chocolate. I like those sort of things, you know? I'm not like 100% vegan. I'm yeah, so, good for you. You know? And I'll, I'll dip into it and I won't give myself a hard time. And it all, all, funny enough, it all started when I went up to see Rich and Leeds. And I'd been, I'd, I'd been stored for probably about three months. I hadn't touched any dairy, any yeah. pocket. And I went there and I'm on holiday. For, and there's a place called, I think it's uh, Betty's. Right. Um, and if they do like these fondant fancies, well, fuck it, I'll go in there. And yeah, got a couple of fondant fancies. And that's all it took. That's it started. Then I went out that night. We had an Indian. Then I had some, I had some, I think I had some cheese, some paneer. And for, for the next few, probably for three or four weeks, I was eating more dairy. Yeah. But then you just beat yourself up, draw a line, start, get, get on it. Yeah, that's the dairy would be. I'm a fucking huge Ben and Jerry. Like ice cream's like my yeah, kryptonite. Right. If there's ice cream in the house, hey, I'm. Me oh. too. It's it's brutal. Uh, it's, Imitation's yeah. shit. Imitation, <laughs> yeah. Imitation cheese is just shit. The ice cream's not bad. Yeah. You say it's what you can get, but it's still it's it's not it's not the same. As soon as yeah. you realise, it's sort of like because now I'm like intermittent. I do I've been doing intermittent fasting all year, and it's just like fucking don't eat till like I don't know lunchtime. I finish eating, miss breakfast, finish eating at dinner time. I don't eat anything after six o'clock. As soon as you get the thing is, all these habits take time. Yeah. The first few days, the cravings will pass until a point where you get to after a few weeks. It's like yeah. I'm not eating anything after six o'clock. I'm not going to fucking snack. I'm not going to have those sugars. Yeah. Suddenly the benefits just start to, you know, explode and you're just feeling better. You're waking up, you're in a better mood. Everything seems to be going better. So for me, definitely, I would say that is, uh, yeah, it has really um, changed things for me for the better. That's amazing. I still need to give that shit a go. I've got to make it out and, and, and maybe as long as there's some vegan fucking Ben and Jerry's, we'll, we'll be aware of the race. There is, mate. There is. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned about going to, to, to see Rich or going go to see your brother. You're obviously working with Rich on a day to day. I know you, you both work in, in different offices in yeah. terms of in terms of running the business. But then when you're together as family, do, do, you, do you like keep work separate or how, how the fuck do you balance that as, as brothers? Do you just fucking talk about work when you're together or what's your situation there? Yeah, I mean, off, to be fair, often, we like when I go up to Leeds, it's like work's happening because I'm going, it's only the two of us. I'm going to visit him. He's got a laptop set up in the kitchen. He's got calls coming in. He's got inquiries coming in. 
So it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm working as well. That's the thing. I'm, I'm like, I've got stuff coming through. But we, you know, when we're going out, we've got, we've got activities, we've got things planned. We won't be dr- working during that period. But in the morning when we wake up, we might be doing emails, might be doing calls, there's always things going on. In the evening when the kids have gone to bed and the missus may be tired, asleep, whatever, we'll get on the laptop. So there's no, I suppose we just, we just get things done whenever we can. And what we've started to do actually is more, um, is just turn the advertising off. Something that we hadn't done in the past is just, switch it off and we, we did it in august we had it off for like probably a third of the month you know it was amazing it was a really profitable month and i speak to rich funnily enough today and i was just saying to him i need to figure out what day of the week is really shit advertising maybe just turn it off once a week where we just don't we don't don't get inquiries because you get there's certain times where shit inquiries like today we turned it off but have a bit more of a relaxing day it's it's not going to make much difference and you know in the long run it actually might actually make us more money and we've got less work to do so um, and what's very instructive from my standpoint there Alan you we talk about the core one man empire principles yeah what what you and Rich have have very very smartly been able to set up is an ability about turning advertising on and off and be able to turn that tap up, yeah. down, left, right, center. That's such a critical thing that I think a lot of people talk about feast and famine. And, yeah. and I believe that that's where the feast and famine creeps into because the advertising only gets turned on when it's quiet. And being able to make sure that there's a base level, but I can adjust the dial to make sure there's consistency in place. It's fucking huge, that, isn't it? It makes so much difference. Yeah, it's massive. In the past, I think we were just like, let's spend as much as we can. We're busy, crazy. We weren't making any money. Um, and I think it's about that balance. We know when it's working and we know when it's not working. That's fucking powerful because I, th- I think that's that sometimes can cause a lot of overwhelm for people as well in terms of being like, right, I'm going away. And what am I going to come back to? Or are there going to be inquiries in while, while, I, come, while I go away or when yeah. I come back and I'm going to have to get things back up? So from your standpoint, to be able to go, actually, we're going away and we can turn things off. Yeah, the day I land, I yeah. can turn that back on and snap within an instant fucking inquiries come that gives you so much confidence that gives you so much control that when you are away yeah you go i can fucking breathe because i know when i step back in i've got the confidence in the system in the fucking process we turn it on and boom straight back to 100 miles an hour which is really really cool we haven't dug into nearly enough here alan yours and rich's relationship the arguments that you've had disagreements let's get into the nitty-gritty me and rich have always been close we obviously went to the same uni together but also have some blazing probably rows about all kinds of shit <laughs> we started the business we were in the office there's many a blazing argument in that yeah. office we're living together for a few years wow. as well so living together we're working together there's some blow up arguments i can't remember what it's about but probably over over fucking nothing we're just like burning on both ends we want to go out in the evenings want to enjoy ourselves so we're just sort of maxing maxing that out but yeah by the time i left leeds it's probably getting to a tipping point where we're arguing every day about some bullshit i think you get in a habit funny thing is as soon as i moved to devon he's up in leeds everything changed wow we're in our own offices now and we've just like getting on all the time so we're at a really good point now i think this point all happened when we both started on the sort of health exercising and veganism at the same time now Fuck, that's really like, interesting in the past be a lot of jibing they'd be trying to annoy each other we tried to wind each other up that's sort of there but not to the same level it's more like enjoyable rather than you're trying to really piss someone off yeah we were trying to really antagonize them like kids do like my daughter and son do or every <laughs> fucking day they're trying to piss each other off trying to you know, bring you to the next level but i think because we're mentally a very good place yeah that's reflected in our relationship i think if you go back 20 years to where we started we weren't mentally in a very good place we're burning the candle we're going out drinking we're eating shit constantly we're not exercising we're trying to work but at the same time we're trying to play 
somebody's going to get annoyed. And when there's only two yeah. of you, who are you going to get annoyed at? And you're going to unload on them. So we've been through our journey ourselves, which has been up and down. And now is a, now is a brilliant point. But That's amazing. You know? Because um, yeah. that must be really, really cool to be able to share that, the ups, the downs, and be able to to go through that. I imagine your dad on the back of that 20K loan and from family unit, he must be super fucking proud of, uh, of the pair of you. Yeah, I think it's been good for everyone. In the early days, it probably was so good, but we probably didn't tell anybody about it. You just carry on. But I think what happens is in those early days, a lot of time is wasted. Yeah. Arguments take a lot of time and take a lot of effort emotionally. I think when COVID happened, it was like, I'm going to turn it around for the better and get on this health journey, get on doing this, or I'm going to potentially, I'm going to start drinking every single night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if, I know people are still doing that. Uh, oh, 100%. You know, you know oh, I'm going to drink every night and I know I've got a problem. I know I chat to you about a problem. I have like drink every I know it's not good for me and I don't drink at all really now. I only every now and again, but we've got friends who are drinking a bottle of wine a night. You know, yeah. but it's just like, and that, that becomes the new fucking normal, doesn't it? Yeah, very, exactly. very quickly. Really now is for me, it's about longevity. You know, I'm 40. How long can I get this body to last? That's how long can I maximize my health and feel good, be around for my kids, enjoy myself other than fuck myself over and you can change it around, but cha change isn't easy. That's yeah. cool. Change isn't easy. Now, we're going to get on to one of my favorite topics right now, employees. I'm always a huge believer in minimum employees, maximum systems and, and automations. So what was your experience like with employees? I know you had someone for a while. They then took a swift bullet to the back of the head. Talk me through that experience. Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, when you go from just being, it's two of you and you thought, fuck it, we're getting a lot of inquiries through or we'll get some staff on board. And it's the whole process for me to go through like hundreds and hundreds of applications, interview process. You get them. But the problem is you're having to deal with their emotional shit. You're like, they're sounding, you become their sounding. And suddenly your time that you thought you'd get back isn't as free as you thought it would be. And it takes a long time to train them. And suddenly that extra time I want to get back, I wasn't getting that back. Yeah. It was, it was tough. We had a few staff, it didn't really sort of work out. And it's quite in our sort of business, it's quite a, a steep learning curve. And our last employee, he is a good member of staff and he left to join the police after. A well, year. And then I just thought to myself, do I want to go through that again? You know, I've got the staff overheads, the costs, emotional, the, sort of like the physical actual time. And I've just actually been thinking recently, I'm like, because you have a lot of ideas when you're on holiday. I just went on holiday recently. Mrs. Yeah. Was talking on the way back about getting staff actually. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, rather than get staff, how many inquiries can me and Rich deal with? What's our sort of top end we can deal with? How yeah. much money can we make? And then I'm starting to think, rather than try and up the advertising, you need staff because there's only a certain amount of inquiries you can deal with. I started to think, forget that. Just keep the same amount of people going to the site. How can I utilize them better? So that inquiry is going to end up getting converted at a higher rate. So I'm not doing any extra work, sure. you know, getting more inquiries, more quotes. That's the angle which we're going from now is how can we make more money out of the customers we've got, maximize that as much as we can, and then have the plan over the next few years to maximize it and basically sell off the business, do something else. It's tough. Staff take a lot of time. I know for more other people, that's something which always comes up. People have always got problems with people and that's inevitable, but nobody anticipates it. it's going to be demanding on themselves. Yeah. A lot of time, energy and effort, doesn't it? And especially... In a business where there's so many fucking variables, the fucking golden shower of insight from yourself there, Alan, is is that concept of going, actually, how can we take the same effort that we're doing now and make more money? That's the thing that a lot of people forget is in order to make more money, I've got to 
sell more things to more people and it's going yeah. well do you really because if we can sell more things to the same people the effort it takes to sell to those existing customers we fucking slashed the time by like 75 percent because i really know like and trust you so whereas before it might take the equivalent of doing let's say 10 follow-up calls to take a call person to a sale to do that to an existing customer we're like well, fuck, I can do that in one quote and one sale and they're yeah. over the line. All of a sudden, same energy, same effort, but yeah. the output that we get from a profitability standpoint goes through the fucking roof, which yeah. is what we want when we're operating as one, maybe two people at the helm of a business. So that's where the game really starts being played at another level, isn't it? Oh, 100%. The thing is, you've got to realize there's so much money left on the table with every interaction you're having. Are you maximizing that? Can you automate something to put in place where you're going to maximize that rather than, like you say, it's a lot of effort getting new business and they're just coming to you because they want a quote. You know, if the quote's good, they can get it on time, they buy. Um, and it's so much easier to sell more to your existing customers and make it more profitably than it is to constantly go after new people. There's a tipping point at some point along yeah. the line. We're trying to, what we're trying to do is maximize what we can to make it the most efficient business. At the end of the day, that's going to make it much more profitable when we sell it because we can say, you know, look how efficient it is. Yeah. Look what we're doing, what two people are doing. So I think that's the way to go if you want to minimize the work but maximize the, the output at the end of the day. Right. Fucking amazing, Alan. I know that you've got an important date with your two kids. Was it Steam Fair you're going to this yeah. afternoon? So it's fair season. Doesn't want to come around your September. Yeah. Every... We, we had, we had, when was it? Maybe, maybe two or three weeks ago. What amazes me, and I don't know what your two are like, but our Barney the shittest fucking ride you've ever seen in the whole <laughs> they're like magnets to kids aren't they a fairground ride now you're in for three four quid just to ride this yeah. thing he's like i want to ride that and i'm like really you want to go and ride that thing but they love it it's amazing you just got to suck it up and put your asshole adult thinking in a bin and try and see it through their eyes <laughs> one thing they love now is like pushing a duck the one oh. where you just win. You can stand there all fucking day. It takes 10 seconds. Hook a duck. You get to pick a price. And then what is this? This is the most, this price is, price is a shit. It's like guaranteed a win. I have to give you like five, six, seven pounds for these like one pound presents on pizza. Yeah. You know, it's going home. They're going to fucking forget about it. It's going to go in the bin. It's going to fall yeah. apart. Like, but yeah, they love it. You know, I think that's part of it anyway. It's just the enjoyment. The enjoyment they get they'd be looking forward to it all week but you know that's that's why we yes. go to work isn't it holy fuck gentlemen what an absolute golden shower of insight there from a main man alan dylan i think for me the big takeaway is making sure you avoid that trap of sticking body after body inside of a business and actually thinking fuck me with the right systems and the right processes the world is your oyster and you can do some absolutely amazing things, especially when it comes to building this thing for sale. More importantly, I don't know if any of you are going to the park this afternoon with your kids, but if you are, make sure you avoid hook a duck like the fucking plague. Other than that, gentlemen, I've been Charlie Hutton. You've been listening to me with Alan Dillon, and I will catch you guys on the next episode. You've been listening to the One Man Empire Show with Charlie Hutton. Congratulations. You made it to the end without becoming a snowflake and sobbing like a little girl. We're glad to have you. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll see you next time for some real, raw honesty. On the, the One, One Man, Man Empire, Empire Show with, with Charlie Hutton. Hutton.